Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Today, we are talking about the mothers and the daughters and the great relationship that the mommies and the daughters have. How many accents are you going to try today? I'm trying them all. I'm going to use every accent I've got today. Okay. Get ready. So moms and daughters. Mothers and daughters today. It's uh, it's an interesting relationship. You know, sometimes you think they love each other, and then other times you're like, I don't think so. Well, I've got four daughters, and I have a wife. Yes. So is I see the, the relationship is, is, it depends. Like? Did, you know, what's happening, what's going on that day. Depends who's doing what. Exactly. Does, uh, see, I grew up with three sisters and my mm-hmm. mom, and I thought there's a time where each one of my sisters thought they were the mom. There are there are times where I have to remind my daughters, you are not the parent in yeah. the family. Let's remember who the grown-ups are. That <laughs> well, no, not, not, not just that. That includes you too, honey. No, but they try and boss their other sisters around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had – my sisters think they raised me. So they they felt very – I'm sure they had a part in it. Yeah. No, they take – yeah, they take ownership. Oh, I see. Which I'm like, that's not a good thing because if I go do something really stupid – Mm-hmm. That's your fault. <laughs> and they don't like that. Nobody wants to own that. So we're going to be talking about that today. Plus, um, obviously, it's not just about mothers and daughters. I mean, come on. It's also about kids. At some point, should you be your kid's best friend? Yeah. Uh, Sarah's going to talk about that later no, on today, actually. I don't think – I think you got to watch out for that. I do, too. They need a parent, mm-hmm. right? Like James. Have you heard yes. about James's latest, by the way? No. Tragic. What? I, you wonder if it's psychological. But James is starting to have foot pain. Oh, no. Yeah. A little plantar action. I thought we were talking mother-daughter, not father-son. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like a father-adopted son. Found son. Yeah, found son. Yeah, we didn't adopt him. There's nothing legal about it. We found him <laughs> floating in a river right by the front of the building. In the gutter? Found him in the gutter. I didn't want to say gutter, but that's where all the water had accumulated. And that's what he was floating down in a basket mm-hmm. with the University of Utah shirt on. Uh, Curled up next to a bottle of sparkling cider. Yeah. It wrapped in cellophane. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cute story. And um, James, uh, talk about what's happening to your foot. Well, apparently plantar fasciitis is contagious. Yeah, it actually runs in the family. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's so. genetic. I guess so. Because in the past like week or so. Yeah. My left foot has been hurting like crazy. And you know it's weird? Because it's my right foot. Wow. So, so let me just tell you what Sarah's going to say. What? Because Sarah uh, is, a, is a, a foot zonologist. She's a foot zonologist. Um, and so Sarah's going to say, see, I, I worry about putting my right foot forward. I have a feeling shoes are going to fly today. <laughs> I have a feeling she's going to want to rub our feet, which sounds weird, but not with a foot zonologist. That's true. So if I'm afraid of putting my right foot forward, you're, you're afraid of putting your wrong foot forward. Ooh. So wow. I'm afraid of moving forward with life. And so the left foot would mean you're afraid of Actually, we just not put, moving forward. we put you two together. We got a three-legged race. Yeah. 
There you go. No. We would hobble the entire way. <laughs> but it's because you're not wearing the right foot attire. I've told you this. Yeah, yeah. I have to fix that. You can't wear your bowling shoes everywhere. But I, they look so good, though. No, they really don't. They look funny. Oh. And people are talking. Okay. No, you wear those shoes like Vans. You're wearing like Van-like. What do they call those? But Sneakers. Yeah, but they're like – they lack any lift. You need some – No, you it's, need, it's true. You, you need, need an, impl- arch an support. insert. Yeah. They're very – just go to – you can go to Harmon's and get Dr. Scholes. <laughs> That's true. That I wouldn't suggest. I'd suggest you see a doctor or a foot zoonologist. As you're soon as you're a doctor. You could check my foot, right? Hey. Actually, I'm a doctor, not of feet. Oh, okay. I do moles and <laughs> other issues. But not feet. But not feet. Okay. So that's that. Uh, but before we move on to – there's apparently – there's been some problems with the airlines and we want to let you in on it because you may be traveling during this season. Well, it- this is an interesting story because it does deal with a daughter. Yeah. Um, I guess there was a kind of a dust-up in first class. I think they call it a nut-up. Korean air flight. Yeah. It was delayed when the chairman's daughter, oh who is also or was also a vice president, responsible for cabin service, by the way. Ooh, yeah. She ordered a senior crew member off the plane. So like a senior flight attendant. Yes. You're out of here. Exactly. Told her to get off the plane. And the plane had already taken – had already left the uh, the uh, terminal. Uh-huh. So they had to go back to the terminal and get this person off the plane. Well – And it was – so it was, the plane was delayed by uh, about 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, the, but the crime – What was the crime? She served macadamia nuts in a bag instead of on a plate. What? Why would she do that? Get her off the plane. I wow. know. It's amazing. It's ruining a good nut. <laughs> uh, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing these names correctly. I'm, I don't speak Korean. But Cho Hyun Ah resigned Tuesday from uh, Korea, the Korean Airlines, a uh, Korean Air, amid a storm of public criticism in South Korea. Ooh. Uh, the, there was an uproar because this was seen as an example of the overmighty behavior by the offspring of the moneyed elite. Mm, those are great words. Overmighty. Mm-hmm. And the moneyed elite. Moneyed elite. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're going to deploy, if you're going to delay a, a flight, exactly. twenty minutes because of you nuts, kick somebody off because yeah. they didn't serve the nuts right. Yeah. That's right. Really? Well, I mean, and lucky in first class. Lucky they had nuts. Yeah. They had macadamia nuts. I know. Who cares how you get them? Just but, get them. Well, the airline yeah. crew is supposed to ask first-class passengers whether they want nuts. Yeah. That's to avoid allergies. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you that, don't want to poison somebody. That would right. be horrible. But the nuts also should be on a plate. Please. Not in a bag. Whatever. So. Okay. See, so moms, that's why you need to you know raise your child. Teach your child there's the limit, and we've got to set our limits. Well, I mean, I can see if you're in charge of cabin service and you see something's being done wrong, correct it. Sure. Sure. No no problem. But if the wheels are rolling. You kick somebody off a plane for that. Exactly. Wheels are moving. But That was a diva moment. Anyway. Okay. You got another story. Actually, this is a very interesting one. I found this quite interesting. Etiquette on an airplane. Oh, please. Is there such thing? Apparently not. <laughs> there should be. Well, I mean, you're in a tight space. You're 30,000 feet. It's not like you're going to go anywhere. You right. and a group of people are traveling together. So 
you got to make do, don't yeah. you? Well, and everybody need, listen because we need etiquette. We're <laughs> you're you're in a confined space. You need to like you just did. You just sneezed off the air. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. No, but you covered it with your elbow. That's right. Now you got to clean your elbow off. I coughed actually, <laughs> but yes. But so Expedia, the travel website, has yeah. an airplane etiquette study. Um, they wanted to remind people that in a few places that require more attention to etiquette, then you know there's a, there's a few places, but the best place to re, to tra- practice your etiquette, yeah, inside an airplane. Oh, it's perfect. So let's go. Some of the things that people do, <laughs> and these are ranked in order of most offensive according oh, to their survey. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have the seat switcher. Oh yeah. Uh, the undresser, taking off your shoes. I've done that myself. Uh, can you uh, can you put my pants in the stowage area, <laughs> uh, sir? We'll need to put. But your they're pants talking back about on. they're talking mostly shoes, okay. which I don't find offensive to take shoes off. Oh, depends on your feet. <laughs> yeah. And there's the person who is, Im- you drink too much, yes, but Imbibe. this is not this is not alcohol. This no. is the person who's. Has to keep going to the restroom uh, all yeah. the time. We call him Tiny Bladder Man. Yes. <laughs> um, number 15, people who are um, throwing out the PDAs way too much. Yes. The public display of affection. All the kissy kissies. That's yeah. James and mm-hmm. Monica. Or somebody who's looking at inappropriate literature. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like they're watching some R-rated movie right in front of you. Exactly. And your kids are all like, hey, Dad, what is that? Exactly. <laughs> Look away, boys. Yes. Look away. <laughs> Anyway, uh, how about the back of the seat grabber? Oh, yeah. I hate that one. Uh, the pungent foodies. Yeah. I just love, and they like have some really Oh, I love this Limburger cheese. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and I brought enough for everyone. <laughs> Anybody wants some Limburger cheese? And you want some sardines to go with it? Oh. <laughs> uh, then you have the overhead bin inconsiderate. Yeah, this one I do not understand. No, this one for, to me is the person who gets on the plane first because they usually board from That's the me. back By the to way, the this front. This is me, okay? Okay, but they put their overhead stuff in the first bin, even though they're sitting in yeah. the back oh, no, of the plane. Wrong. Yeah, no, that's right. That is ridiculous. I think what they gotta do is grab the bag. If it's not yours, they throw it off the plane. Oh yeah, no kidding. Throw it to that lady, the nut Nazi. <laughs> throw it to her. And we're done. Let's get through the rest of these quick, quickly. Uh, so you have a queue jumper, the guy that has to get off the plane before everybody else can because those two minutes are more precious than anything else right. in the world. Uh, the seat back guy or the recliner who <sighs> puts his head right in your lap. Yeah. Armrest hog sitting <laughs> yeah. right next to you. Uh, the carry-on baggage offenders, they bring the bags that are way too big. <laughs> way, way too big. Uh, the chatty Cathy. Uh. When you're sitting there with your headphones in and they want to talk and talk yeah. and talk and talk. Uh, the person who gets inebriated. Yeah, they're fun to watch though. Sometimes, yeah, uh, they can get they can be the loud chatty Kathy though That's too. If they're right next to you. Or the audio insensitive. Maybe they're listening to music way too loud. The aromatic passenger. <laughs> <laughs> then you have the inattentive parents. Uh. And the number one on this list is the rear seat kicker. Bop 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 yeah. bop. Which is usually a result of the inattentive parent. Or the inebriated. Yeah, that's true. Or the Limburger cheese. <laughs> I think it makes the flight more exciting. I well, tried to do that to yeah. enhance the experience no, of the person in front everybody. of me. Well, there's the list. So uh, good luck, everybody, uh, as you Especially prepare Especially if you're traveling travel. during the holiday season, yes. We just wanted to give you, you know, just a heads up, maybe some things you might <laughs> want to watch out for. Of course, you're not the problem. Everyone else that participates yes. in all of those I activities. I don't, I don't do that. No. 
Nor I'll take you, my shoes off. Nor do your time. children. I like to take my shoes off and my socks and rub my feet. And amazingly, all the chatty Cathy's shut up. <laughs> I know. Once your shoes are off and you're rubbing your feet, no one wants to talk to you anymore. It's amazing. Fantastic. Nor do they want to sit next to you. That's right. We're going to take a break, my friends, and begin this discussion about the mother-daughter relationship. If you have daughters, if you have noticed your wife complaining about how hard your teenage daughter is to get along with at this time, and just the relationship that may be working, may be strengthening, it's a big deal. Also, by the way, if you've ever wondered why your your wife is so close to her mother or not so close, be listening up. This is the discussion for you. We'll take a break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM, 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about the mother-daughter relationship. Uh, It's a fairly complicated one, I think, and yet maybe not. Maybe not as complicated as we may think. But uh, in my own practice, I see a lot of tension between moms and daughters. And uh, and sometimes I've I've always just wondered, do they read each other so well that they are, you know, they, they get more what's going on or... Are there basic things that every mom needs to know about this relationship? And maybe everybody, every father and uh, everyone in the family needs to figure out what's, you know, what's really happening, what's going on underneath this relationship that might add a little complexity to it. So we wanted to invite uh, a, an expert on the subject who can help walk us through this relationship and some of the dynamics. Her name is uh, Dr. Suzanne Deggs-White. She has a Ph.D., uh, an LPC, an LMHC, and an NCC, so it's pretty much the whole alphabet, and is a professor and chair of the Counseling, Adult, and Higher Education Department at Northern Illinois University. She's a licensed counselor whose focus includes working with individuals and families facing transitions, and academically, her research explores development over the lifespan with a strong focus on women's relationships and women's developmental transitions. She's currently the president of the Association for Adult Development and Aging, uh, a division of the American Counseling Association. Suzanne, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. I'm glad to be here. It's so good to have you. Now, I was a boy raised by four women. Three You're a lucky boy. I know. Tell That's what they tell me. Three <laughs> sisters and my wonderful mom, and I was the baby— and so one by one, I'd watch my sisters and my mom in this, I just thought, really complex relationship of who's in charge, who's the caregiver, who had more power with me. <laughs> and so I, I'm very excited to, to, have you, to have you with us today. And again, you, you do a lot of writing on psychology today as well. And I mean, talk to us. Is, is this a different relationship, the mother-daughter relationship, from other relationships, maybe even the father-daughter? Well, actually it is, Matt. And one of the main reasons it is different is because mothers and daughters are so very similar. Hmm. I think you spoke about that earlier. Yeah. Um, and what happens physiologically, we, you know, we, we mirror our mothers in very many ways that our brothers will not. Right. And and we're, we're born to go out into the world and create a family and build a new life, but we're so similar to our mothers and feel that strong connection that that causes a lot of um, stress 
struggled along the way. So, so you're right about that. Boys come in this world knowing they're going to leave their family to create a family, and they recognize difference from mom, mm. even though she's often their primary first caregiver. But um, young girls have a harder time because they recognize how similar they are to their mothers. Is there a competition there? Is it a competition? Sometimes I always wonder if it's a competition like for the father's attention. But is it competition or is it just they're just so much alike that they kind of step on each other? Well, that can happen, too, and sometimes it can be a competition. Sometimes mothers may feel threatened by the attention that their husbands maybe are giving their daughters. Mm-hmm. Or in, in poor situations, sometimes a mother's sense of self isn't strong enough to really give her daughter the attention, the love, and to send the message of her, her daughter's self-esteem to her as clearly as might be beneficial for her. Mm. And yeah. so sometimes triangles can develop in families with the father and the daughter, the father and the mother, and the mother and the daughter kind of going at each other. Do you, I guess you also talk about in your book, you wrote the book, Mothers and Daughters, Living, Loving, and Learning Over a Lifetime, mm-hmm. which it, it sounds like kind of a must read for everyone. <laughs> well, you know, it, it helps fathers understand. It helps, yeah, people who, you know, mothers understand. It can help a lot of daughters who kind of wonder about this crazy relationship that can be so intense over the course of their lives. And then when they're adults, suddenly they look back and kind of want to make sense of their experiences in the mother-daughter relationship. Or they're having a daughter themselves, and maybe they don't want to replicate the experiences that they themselves had as a daughter growing up. Hmm. And is uh, I think it's in that book that you talk about how physiology and certain elements of physiology bind a mother and a daughter together. Well, of course, you know, genetically, there's – but what's interesting, um, when I talk about mothers and daughters, when I interviewed women, some of them were raised by grandmas, some were raised by older sisters. Some, you know, mothering can come from a lot of different places, so it's important to kind of put that caveat out there yeah. that we're not just talking about that biological tie. But physiologically, when um, – a new mother holds her child, there's oxytocin that's going through the veins, there's cortisol, there's estradiol. So there are a lot of different neurotransmitters that get perked up during childbirth or when a woman holds a newborn baby, it can also kind of imprint that same connection and that Mm. nurture. And so in a way, women are programmed from birth to respond to that nurturing desire for, for young children. And so there's almost a physiological reaction when a mother sees a child get hurt. She can feel that pain as much as she were that child. Oh, interesting. And and so we've got, um, and during pregnancy, when the new when the hormones start flooding her body there it's interesting because the hormones that flood d- differ depending on whether she's carrying a male or a female child oh really um kind of interesting the difference and i got tickled when i was doing some of the research because if a woman is pregnant with a daughter the daughter the the the, the daughter will consume 25 to 28% more glucose from the mom oh. Suggesting that maybe girls are sugar inspired. Yeah, that's it. That's a, that's the why they need the, that midnight sugar snack. That yeah, they need that sugar snack. And also, you know, people will say it's easier to raise a boy than a daughter. And it turns out that women who are carrying sons have less morning sickness than women that are carrying daughters. really. Yes, yeah, so it may be very true. So some of these old wives' tales we hear about gender and its effect on moms may very well be based in scientific fact. As, you know, we find out many things are when we have the research to explore it. Isn't that interesting? And um, I, had, uh, I had a therapist on the show once talking about anxiety. 
Have you studied anything about anxious moms creating anxious daughters? Oh, they do indeed. Um, There's something called transgenerational trauma, too, where it's been looked at um, in terms of immigrant families and families where there's been trauma experienced by one generation and it's carried over to the next generation, even though that second generation is not in that same traumatic situation. And the anxiety and the residual trauma experience can carry over from a new mother to her daughter. And they often say that many colicky babies are are particularly colicky because the moms and dads are so anxious about the baby's well-being. Oh, interesting. And it kind of spills over. And especially daughters can be ultra-sensitive to emotional experiences than young boys will be. And it shows that young female infants three to six days have more eye contact than a male infant would. Yeah. They respond to voices more than to other sounds, more so than young boys would. So that emotional attunement starts early, and so they pick up on mom's feelings a lot quicker than a young boy might. Wow. (laughs) There's a lot of science to back up a lot of things that we hear about. It really is, and a lot of times I think we just think it's just kind of this cultural thing. But, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, there's this maternal instinct, and Mm -hmm. I guess you're saying – the maternal instinct isn't just because it's your baby. I guess women can right. sense that anyway. Yes, you know, I think the maternal instinct. Any, it's pre. I really do believe it's pre-programmed into females. They've yeah. done research, and if we face a crisis as a female, we're more likely to tend and befriend rather than fight or flee because we know that we're going to be a lot safer if we have a group of people we're working with we're not as strong as a male might be and we befriend people because we want to have allies if we're having to face a challenge oh i love that yeah that tend to befriend is awesome yeah i mean and it's and it makes sense to me and i think i think it even makes sense to me and we'll come back and talk about that's how my mom raised me she raised me with a group of people Mm-hmm. Not she was a single mom, so she got the daughters involved. She got the neighbors involved. A lot of moms kicked in to watch over me and other kids, and she kind of did as a group. So, right, and it, it, attending and befriending is a lot easier than trying to do it all on your own. Yeah, she knows immediately where I am yeah. because there's that underground mother network. <laughs> Absolutely, and it does exist. It, it does, does exist. Yes. Great, yeah. Su- Suzanne. Let's take a break here, and let's um, we'll, we'll come back and continue this discussion. I really want to get into to more about this maternal instinct, and then get into the mother-daughter relationship. Hey, if anybody of you have questions, we'd love to to have you ask them right to Suzanne. Just give us a call one eight five five Chat BYU one eight five five Chat BYU. Do you have questions about? healthy role models, healthy mothering uh, relationships, or questions specifically about something that happened with you and your mother, today's the day. Let's answer those questions. 1-855-CHAT-BYU or tweet us at uh, BYU Chat, at BYU Chat. And, um, and uh, anyway, give us, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. That just sounds so wrong. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We'll take a break. Come back. More with Suzanne and uh, the mother-daughter relationship. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, 
to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about that mother-child reunion right there. That relationship that takes place between moms and daughters. It's a it's an interesting little dynamic. Uh, on the phone with us is Suzanne Deggs-White, who is a professor and chair of the counseling... Uh, Chair of the Counseling, Adult, and Higher Education Department at Northern Illinois U- University. She's president of the Association for Adult Development and Aging, which is in a, a division of the American Counseling Association. She's also a blogger on Psychology Today and is the author of the book Mothers and Daughters, Living, Loving, and Learning Over a Lifetime. Suzanne, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Matt. So good to have you. And uh, I love, I mean, I don't know. I think it's being raised by four women. I have um, an incredible respect for just how they do stuff. But it's so uh, – they so frustrated me, Suzanne, because <laughs> they they cared about things. They anticipated things that I just was like, okay, let it go, let it go. And then I remember my mom and my sisters just discussing and fighting stuff on stuff that I'm thinking, please – but so explain this to us. What is it? What? How does the mod, mother-daughter relationship begin? Where does it begin? It's, it's not apparently just birth, but uh, what, what's going on there? Well, um, actually, the mother and daughter relationship begins before birth, as we talked a little bit about. Um, your body changes as soon as you are, you've conceived a child. And our culture, too, with now everyone finding out the gender of their baby before their baby's yeah. born, you are developing a relationship with your child well before your child is bigger than the, you know, the right. head of a pen. <laughs> um, kind, of, kind of interesting dynamic there. And research shows that it's somewhere around the 20th to 24th week of gestation when a mom falls in love with her baby. Really? So, yeah, it's, they, they, when, they, when they do empirical research, that's about the time when a, a mom has the idea of, I'm carrying this child, I'm carrying this daughter, has really taken hold. It's about the time of quickening when you first feel the baby move. And that's when the relationship with your daughter really begins hmm. To take root, or your son, yeah. um, and you, and you're already imagining, you know, who this little child is going to be as you uh, go through the following 35, 40 weeks. It seems like and, research would say it's about the 14th year when they fall out of love. That's right. It is definitely about well, you know, with the changes and with puberty coming a little bit early. I think I've got friends that would attest to it's about the 11th or 12th year. <laughs> yeah when you fall out of love with your child. But that's that's it, fantastic that they actually have this research saying that's when it's yeah. they're like, ah, oh, I like this kid. I like right, my baby. Right. I'm in love with my baby. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's a relationship, and it, it really is very strong. Um, what's interesting about the 13th or 14th year is it's normal for you to fall out of love with your kid because we are raising our daughters to grow up, to move away from home, and to create families of their own. Yeah. You know, most cultures, it's the daughter who leaves the family of birth to go move to where her husband is going to be living. Right. And if we didn't have daughters who tested our boundaries, who pushed our limits, and were tempted by risk, they wouldn't have the courage when it came time to leave home, to actually leave home. That's true. So I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, all the work that they're doing to test our nerves when they want to stay out too late, they want to hang out with the wrong kids, they want to engage in risky behaviors. If they didn't get those practices in, then when it came time at 19, 20, 25 to move on in life to that next stage, they'd still be clinging to mom and, you know, running around the house, driving mom even crazier when they're 25 than they probably do at 19 or 15. I mean, that really is, uh, that's very... That's very good to know because I think you're going crazy. Yeah, you don't realize it. And it was only when I was doing research for this book that I came across the research talking about the need to train our children to be willing to take risks. But part of being a good mother is really setting the child up so that she's ready to take risks, but she's taking calculated risks. Mm -hmm. And And that, and that that might take a lot of years of going head to head. It does take a lot of years of going head-to-head and recognizing that this is really a normal part of raising a child who can be successful in this world. Oh, I love it. Hey, uh, we have a caller that really has a, a good question for you, Suzanne. Okay. Um, let's have Tammy. Let's get Tammy on the line. Tammy's calling somewhere from the Midwest. Tammy, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Great. Thank you. What's um, What's your question? question? My mother and I don't speak and haven't spoken for probably four years. Hmm. Uh-huh. When my mother and my grandmother, my grandmother was alive, they didn't speak either. Huh. Right. Okay. And I don't want to have that relationship with my only daughter. Absolutely. And I think the what, you know, the sad thing is, is children really do learn what they live And when we see the mother-daughter relationship modeled in a way that is not best, but it's what we have as kind of our prototype imprint, it it takes effort to make sure that you do something different. In doing research for the book, women I asked, what did they learn about being a mother from their mother? A lot of them shared what they learned about not, you know, what not to do. And a lot of women have to make a special effort not to do what seems normal because their normal isn't what's in the best interest of their own daughters. Hmm. And one of the ways adult women become friends with their mother is that there reaches a point in an adult woman's life when suddenly she can accept the imperfections that her mother has. And whether it's forgiveness, whether it's an, uh, just resignation to these imperfections, you lose that hope that your mother will be perfect for you. Hmm. And I think it sounds like your your mother wasn't able to get to that point with her own mother, and perhaps your mother feels this is this is just the way adult mother and daughter relationships work. So one thing is helping your daughter recognize that not only are you imperfect, but she may be imperfect, and that's okay. Yeah, and we'll still be together. We'll still still talk. Yeah, we'll still talk. I don't want to see our relationship turn into the standoff and help help your daughter understand that you're doing the best you can. I think that need to accept that your mother did the best she could with what she had is the way we forgive our parents for being imperfect. Does that make sense, Tammy? Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, I guess, I guess uh, I mean, you could see it, how you could create a culture that we just keep handing it down. And that's so, it's, I think it's honorable that you're and I proactive. Do yeah, that. you don't want to go don't there. I don't want to be, no. Yeah, because it's, it's created a big, you know, I have, I have six brothers and two sisters, and they're like, 
why don't you and mom get along? And I'm like, it's not that we don't get along. We just don't speak. I feel like, you know, as as raising all of them, there Mm -hmm. was such, uh, there were greater expectations for the oldest girl in a family. Oh, were you number one? I was number one. There you go. And the expectation of this is what you're going to do. And Mm -hmm. these are your responsibilities. And it was huge. And I remember thinking, but I don't want, I didn't ask for this. No, no, you, yeah, you were right down. This is what I bargained for. No, right. And so I have one child. You kept it simple. (laughs) (laughs) To the one. Really simple. But maybe talk about that, Suzanne, because uh, maybe there's one, um, I mean, it it almost seems like there might be a little guilt in the mom that, you know. Absolutely. That maybe she, maybe the mantle she put on your shoulders was too heavy for any child to bear, and there may be that sense of shame that she set you up to fail. Yeah, that, that she didn't have your best interest at heart at the time because perhaps she was so overwhelmed with caring for you and your siblings that she couldn't she couldn't realize that she wasn't giving you the best start huh. or being fair to you. And so, how can you acknowledge? How can you accept? Her imperfect, and that's accepting her imperfection that she couldn't be the mother that she needed to be for you at that time. But it wasn't because she didn't want to love you; she just did what she knew to do. Yeah, and that's hard. That's hard. You know, letting go of resentment towards a parent can be very difficult. Yeah, especially when you you feel like I mean, because you've been you've been harmed, you feel hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. But and I guess sometimes- too, yeah. But you're also, you know, Tammy's smart enough here saying consciously or conscious conscientious enough to know that she doesn't want to hand this down either. Right, to replicate that, because it's, it's a great loss. It's yeah. a great loss, because when you can befriend your mother when you're an adult, it's it's a healthy relation. It can be a wonderfully healthy time to be a friend. We don't need to be a friend when our children are teenagers or younger children. We don't need to be a friend to our daughters until they're young adults themselves. Yeah. Well, that's, we need to I be the parent. Great advice. It really is. And thank you, Tammy. So appreciate the call. I think there's a lot of people out there like, oh, yeah, we've got that one. Yeah, um, yeah. It's also interesting, Suzanne, as just as you were talking to her, um, that it, there's how, how much of this seems kind of universal almost that we we have these tendencies. The oldest girl takes on that maternal role you were talking about. And maybe mm-hmm. sometimes it's implied and sometimes it's just instinctive. But anyway, I mean, this poor Tammy ended up taking it on and doing a lot with it and then maybe not getting paid back emotionally. Right, lo- lo- losing her dearest relationship in, in the long run. Mm. And it is frustrating. I think parents don't real maybe they don't realize how much they're asking a child to do. Maybe that's what was asked of them. Yeah. Maybe they feel so helpless that they're looking for assistance from anyone they can call on. It depends. When a mother is 16 and has a child of her own, that similarity in age can sometimes parentify the child so the child is called on to look after the parent as well as any subsequent children so a lot of different situations can lead to that and it's basically a a cry for help from a parent who's not able to handle it on their own and how can we how can we be gentle with that parent later on and i should accept their imperfections yeah yeah except they yeah they just did the best they could yeah, and very seldom parents want to hurt their children intentionally. Right. I know. Very, very rare. It's so true. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Suzanne Deggs-White, and uh, she's helping us. She's the author of the book Mothers and Daughters, Living, Loving, and Learning Over a Lifetime. 
She's going to keep walking us through some of these typical challenges that moms and their daughters uh, come across. Great insight, my friends. If you want to ask her a question, give us a call. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. And uh, Suzanne's here to walk us through it. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about mothers and daughters and that that incredible relationship and that intense, at times, relationship. And uh, we've asked one of the pros to come join us. Suzanne Deggs-White uh, is joining us again. She is the author of the book, Mothers and Daughters, Living, Loving, and Learning Over a Lifetime. She's also got a Ph.D. and is... Uh, the chair of the Counseling, Adult, and Higher Education Department at Northern Illinois University. Uh, she's, she's got the skills. Come on. And she just she's taking calls. So if you have a question for Suzanne about a mother-daughter relationship and expectations, maybe even about those kinds of relationships, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, or tweet us at BYU Radio. We'd love to get you on the line with her. Suzanne, welcome back. Thank you. This is fun. I'm yeah. learning a lot. I didn't know. I mean, it's. Uh, have you ever read the book by Luann Brizendine uh, about the the female brain? Oh yes, yes, yes. It's yes. fantastic. But in there, I learned that the female brain is like it's it's constantly changing chemically throughout the month, mm-hmm. and so it's never you're never speaking really to the same Person. brain, right? No, and, you. you- Right, and then there's, but then I think of a daughter; her brain's changing simultaneously, so it's like two p and maybe sometimes in sync. If you know, if you go there, right, right, right. But talk, I mean, talk about some more of the conflicts that end up happening that are just natural for a mom and a daughter to go through. Well, you know, the main conflict that plays throughout life is that whole independence versus dependence. Yeah, da- daughters want to be connected. We want, to, we want, to, we enjoy depending on someone. It's part of that need to tend and befriend and to nurture, and yet we also know we need to go out into this world and make our way. Kind of that separateness versus togetherness yeah. that can happen in all sorts of relationships, and when girls sometimes get fearful because they see themselves in their mother and they may think, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to be this woman. But I I feel that connection at a very deep level. Whereas some mothers feel the need to say, you're not going to be like me. You need to be different. And so you're trying to go against biology. And when you try to go against biology, it's it's a hard fight. Yeah. Someone's going to pay, it seems like. Yeah. Someone's going to pay. And ideally, you don't want anyone to have to pay a price too dear. There's something um, called all-or-nothing mothering, which I kind of talked about in the book, because this idea, there's those mothers who have to go all out, who want to plan every moment of her daughter's life, or she wants her daughter to be a cheerleader because she was a cheerleader, or be a scientist, and that's kind of all-out mothering. And then there's the other end of the spectrum, which is that all-or-nothing, the nothing mothering, where a mother says, well, I'm going to be more laissez-faire, I'm going to let her make her own mistakes. And she errs on the side of not being there to support and help guide her daughter. 
And when you think about the need to grow up, to determine who you are, that whole individuation process that teens begin, you really need to have someone to bounce ideas off of, to be safe with. And so that conflict can either become one that turns into a storm every day for a mom and a teenage daughter, or else it can become a standoff if they stop speaking to one another, or else it can be a teen kind of going wild because her mother is saying she needs her space, we'll let her work things out, she's growing up. And so the independence versus dependence, starting with toddlers who want to say no or don't hold my hand, <laughs> Right. I mean, that what they want to do is be independent, but you know a little two-year-old girl is going to look back to see where mom is yep. right before she does something she knows she shouldn't do. Man, I mean, it's 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 natural, isn't it? It, it, it is just natural. It's, it's what we're raising our children to be, which is independent, successful adults. And yet to get there, it is a very rough road and takes a mom who is willing to stand by and deal with a screaming toddler or a whining elementary school child or a stomping her foot, slamming the door <laughs> teenager. Totally. And it, I guess I guess it then comes down. I mean, so it seems like during that fight for independence versus dependence, I guess we end up maybe sometimes pulling away, and then our child is an adult, and mm-hmm. moms want to get back, and re- and daughters do too, want to create that good friendship again. What advice do you give to those people that are now at that stage where they just want to grow it back? Where they just want to grow it back is to be patient with one another, to, again, accept the imperfections, accept that your 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 mother or your daughter, whichever you know, role you're role you're in, is doing the best they can, and and that they have your best interest at heart. Which yeah. I don't think we have to assume the best in the situation. If we try to hold on to lingering doubts about how much our mother loves us, or does our daughter really need us, we let our doubts get in the way of moving forward in a relationship. Yeah. And they've shown that the more you doubt a relationship, the less likely that relationship is going to succeed. Even if given all pieces of information, it could have been a successful relationship, whether Mm. it's romance, mother-daughter, mother-son. And so trusting that your parent or your child really cares about your well-being, because chances are we do. Oh, yeah. Kids, Kids love their parents irrationally when they're young, and they'd rather live with their parents even if their parents were, were abusive to them because there's that drive to be part of this family. And so as you get older, recognizing that the drive to be a part of this relationship is going to over, over, over balance, well, counterbalance your fears or your, or your resentment that lingers, so just to go ahead and jump in. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how close an adult daughter can get to her mother once they get past all that angst and sturm and drang of oh. adolescence, young adulthood. <laughs> Um, some of the magic things, getting married can, uh, can be a magic pill for improving a relationship. Yeah, it's kind of like a restart. It's, it's, a formal, yeah. it's, it's a formal moment where they are the adult now. They are, they are the adult now, and even though most brides do have a little bit of bridezilla in them, once you get past that, <laughs> yeah. once you get settled, then that's a great time to rekindle a relationship with your mom or for a mom to reach out to her daughter. And, of course, the next most natural time to really rebirth the relationship is if a daughter births a child of her own. There you go. Because you need you, – you, you know, yesteryear you talked about being raised by a whole group, a whole village of wonderful women, your sisters yeah. and your mom. Well, typically – Villages did raise children, and when you have a new baby, you want to be able to connect with someone to kind of ensure that you're doing the right thing. Right. And a mother is the most natural source of information and support. 
So finding those are two important milestones. We're reaching back out to, to, to rebuild a relationship that was torn asunder is a really good opportunity. Those are great ideas. And then I guess, too, if we can just not destroy the relationship as they're growing, what are right. some what are some specific things moms should be doing, making sure they don't do to, well, the, that tips know, it over? Well, you know, some of the things you shouldn't do is try to control your daughter's choices. You, you, you need to make sure she stays safe, but you've got to give your daughter freedom to make mistakes because if you don't, one, she may end up so scared she, she won't move on in life. Right. Or else she'll be making so many reckless choices when she finally tastes freedom that it'll be hard to reel her back in. Yep. So making sure, one, don't, don't tear her down. Never tear your daughter down. The, the things a mother says to her daughter through those formative years from birth until, who knows, 38. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they really last. I think every woman can play, who's been hurt by a mother can play back a tape. They have a tape in their head yeah. of the negative messages that a mom sent. Even if you're angry, you need, to, you need to count to 10 yourself if you're a mom before you blow off steam at your child and, and sling insults. It really can do lasting damage to a daughter's self-esteem. Oh, yeah. Um, and that seems obvious, but maybe not in that middle of that conflict where right. you feel like you're fighting for your life. Yeah, you do. And you do. A daughter and mother, I mean, it can be as, as verbally and emotionally raw as, you know, as a hand-to-hand combat and war. And the emotions that get tied up in that are so strong because there's that sense of connection. And almost I, young daughters don't want to be connected to mom. I don't want to be like mom. And mothers are like, I don't want this child to hate me. This is my child. You know, I created yeah, this child. Right, right. Um, so there, there's all these things that get built up into that relationship. And when emotions start flying, you know, girls can be a, a lot more vicious in the words they choose than <laughs> young boys can be. Right. Boys and, will just hit each other or whatever. They'll, yeah, they'll hit it and, and they'll hit it and get over it. And yeah. girls, they really, they, they their minds work. They're very powerful. Verbal assault is very powerful for young girls. Oh, yeah. And nowadays, you know, we learn early how vicious that kind of bullying can be between girls. Oh, sure. I, um, as, as I was, uh, just looking over all of your stuff, I th- I just thought, what a powerful idea to to just get a better insight into one relationship, this mother-daughter one. We have about 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Why don't you tell us, what's the one thing that, of all of your studies, that just sticks out when you think of the mother-daughter relationship? The one thing we could all remember that might make it a little easier to make it through it and, and magnify it. Okay. I think the one, one of the most important things that I learned was that as, as we go through life with our daughters, we are going to lose increasingly large bits of control over our daughter. However, the influence we have on our daughter can always increase. Mm. And so we have to remember that. I can't control what my daughter's doing, but I hope that the work I've done raising her will continue to have influence for her in making good choices. Oh. That's a great. I mean, that's really a universal principle, right? I mean, with our kids right. in general, but very special with the daughters. Well, we right. appreciate it, Suzanne. You, I, I love it. I can't recommend the book more. Mothers and daughters, living, loving, and learning over a lifetime. I really think we ought to go. We'll have to have you back to talk about friends forever. Your oh, other thanks. book. That's yeah, it. Same. Well, yes, and toxic friends is coming out in a couple of months. Oh, so good. Got- oh, actually, we've got. I've got a lot of friends that need that. Yeah, we got yeah, we got quite the spectrum here on relationships. <laughs> You're well, awesome. Thank you, Matt. Thank I really you, Suzanne. This opportunity. You bet. We'll have you back to talk about both those books. 
Good stuff, my friends. Uh, it's a complicated relationship. You know what else? It, it's probably uh, it's the reason why it's special as well. Things that are hard, you know, they also make you better. Moms and daughters, we're going to continue the discussion and just parenting in general throughout the rest of the show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'll uh, get into my coaching corner for a bit, give you some ideas, some tools, and how to strengthen those relationships. And then we'll continue this wonderful discussion. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM. 143 BYU Radio. It's my life. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, second hour. The second hour is good as the first. What's, what was that phrase that you used to say as a kid? Second is, anyway. Second verse, same as the first. Second verse, same Yeah, but ours is second verse. Second hour. Second hour. Just as good as the just first. Just filled with power. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't it. Welcome to the show. Today we are talking about the mother-daughter relationship. And honestly, we can probably just talk about all things... Mother. True, yes. Because moms have it tough. I've been watching my wife mm-hmm. as we get ready for Christmas, and for some oh, reason, yes. she's not... Happy? She's not happy about it. And she's I not think, necessarily sad, though, is she? No, it's just I think she thinks, blah. Why do I have to do all this stuff? I know. And part of it, I think, and this is what we're going to talk about in the Coach's Corner today, uh, mom time... It's hard for a mom to just go take time without feeling guilt. Yes. Because, you know, they want a break, but there's all these shoulds that they have, things they should be doing that good mothers do, right? Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, they lose their cool, so not they're, they're a bad mom, and they lose their cool, and they're not doing and, – and anyway, it just piles on. Does your wife feel that way, like overwhelmed? Like Women have this innate ability to keep mental lists – Yes, we need to stop that. <laughs> and and it's it, it's it's the it's the mental to do list. I think that sometimes just gets in the mm-hmm. way. And then then they go look at Pinterest and things that weren't even on the list are now on the list. Yes, and then you're going to pay. So um, it's hard. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is how we could um, you know the guilt is there. So if if you're a mom out there and you feel guilty. I'm a dad. I feel guilty. Like, I need to pick up this. I need to do this. Last night, I was so excited because we bought a, um, we bought a, I don't know what you call it, a charging station for all of our phones in the house. So all the phones are supposed to go in this one Central location, yes. And then I, anyway, I spent all night trying to make it work, but the chargers (laughs) don't charge and the things don't work and the plug where we were going to put it is not apparently working. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So I gave up. <laughs> but I left, I left the mess. Okay. I, just, I walked away. I'm not trying anymore. It's not working. But I just sit there and I think my wife's still working. She's still doing her thing. She doesn't give up. So then I'm like, oh. you, you went and did the video game thing or the, the uh, no, no, TV I don't, thing? No, I, I went and watched Monday Night Football. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm a man. Same, same thing I would do. <laughs> But then all my boys gather around, and I left my mess, and my wife's in there like, is anyone going to clean this up? Clean this mess up. Mm-hmm. Anyway. 
So I feel my guilt. We all have our guilt. But here's some rules. If you want to eliminate your guilt, then um, you know there's some things you need to focus on, and you probably need to focus on the right things because if you don't, you're going to just keep accumulating guilt. So here we go. Here's what we should all do, and moms maybe too. Um, celebrate principles more than performances. Okay. A lot of times, you know, we get caught up in what our people, our children have done, but we don't, and we end up not celebrating what they did. I mean, we celebrate what they did, but the problem, like for example, uh, they we we get them, we get their little outfit ready for choir. We take them to choir. We rush them to choir. They go have their choir moment. <laughs> And it's all good. It took us 15 steps to make it all happen. And after, I guess we get this fleeting moment of great. Relief. It's over. It's done. Or the Eagle Scout that my son got where everyone kills themselves to get that kid, that Eagle. Ah, We're done. Except we've celebrated a performance that's now over. And we haven't necessarily celebrated the principle of what that boy is becoming. So we only get the one-time shot at getting the joy out of this moment. And so everything we do is pretty fleeting because it's only one shot. You get one shot. You get graduation. You get these one-time events that we make a big deal about. But meanwhile, the principals are progressing with these kids all along. So what if we could actually get in and uh, and, sp- and spend a little bit more time celebrating what they're becoming instead of – just the event. Here's another idea. Well, go ahead, Sean. Well, I was just thinking my my daughter had a spelling – she has a spelling test every Monday with her new spelling words. Yeah. And whichever ones you miss, you have to go back and, and do certain activities with them sure. and earn points during the week. Uh, but she got a perfect score on her pretest for the week. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I congratulated Yay! her. Yeah. yeah. Huge. But – I need to tell her that she's becoming a good speller. Like, look what's happening. Yeah. Like, you don't even know it, but because the three weeks, four weeks you've been doing this, you're becoming a great speller. And celebrate that victory along the way Mm -hmm. instead of just the end zone. You know what I mean? Celebrate the drive instead of the touchdown. Another one is acquiring the art of patience, not pretense. You know what I mean? Sometimes we feel guilty, maybe, because we are trying to keep up with everyone else. We're trying Mm -hmm. to keep up with the Joneses. We're so worried about what we look like as a family. Are, are our children getting good grades on their tests? Mm-hmm. And we worry more about how we are in comparison to everyone else instead of the mere fact that um, we're, we, we personally as parents are accumulating principles as we go through this process. So I, had this son, I have a son that um, he – for some odd reason, he's a student body officer, but he didn't have his picture taken in the yearbook. Honestly. So he's, he, so he's taking after his father with his pictures. Totally. Yeah. He totally is, actually. He hates he hates pictures. But all of a sudden, we're sitting there, and I'm so we're frustrated with him. My wife and I are frustrated with our son because he's not going to have a good picture of him in his own yearbook right. when he's a senior and a student body officer. And he's, he, he's like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. But I realize I, I'm mad because you're not going to make us look good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of just, you know. I'm learning patience. And what's cool about that is he's not mad. He doesn't care. It doesn't bother him. Uh -uh. But by practicing and being patient with him, it's changing me. And where I'm going to start getting mad and guilty is when I'm not patient with my boy because I want to be pretentious. Wait a few years when he gets married and his wife looks at the yearbook and says, where's your picture? That's exactly right. (laughs) 
He'll say, oh, I didn't take oh, I it. I don't know. And she'll look at him like, that's so cute. No. Now, at first they're oh, that's cute. Yeah. And it's going to be like, why didn't you take the picture? That's didn't right. want to. That's right. And what? Then, yeah. And then when she, wait yeah. till she's having her wedding pictures taken. He's like, uh-huh. it's not a big deal. Exactly. Get off my back. <laughs> Uh, another one mm-hmm. is extending your power with somebody, not over people. You've got to get more and more powerful so your children are are with you, working towards our goals together instead of just trying to control them. It's easy as a parent to just say, because I said so. Mm-hmm. You do it because I said so. Do you have family meetings to help with, with that? I think, I think the or... key is the relationship, right? So you have okay. to get – you have to have a one-on-one where you can mm-hmm. influence them and not because you can now manipulate them. But because they trust you, they get you. Well, in my house, I mean, I have four daughters. It's easier. I think it's easier for my wife to have one-on-one meetings with my kids than yeah. it is for me. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I actually, it's probably easier for me than my wife. But hers are probably hers are probably yeah. more rich. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at least that's what she says. But it's really like it's you're you either are going to have a relationship with them or you're not. Yeah, they'll you'll either know them or you won't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in life we go we get through a day where we've checked everything off, but we're not closer to our kids. We're not better than we've ever been. And uh, so one of the rules is make sure you're focusing on with them, having power with them, not just over them. And then last but not least is make sure you're learning love, not just toleration. Hmm. Right. So and especially this is hard when they are so different than you, or oh yeah, as uh, Su- Suzanne. Deggs White was saying, when they're a lot like you, when they're a lot like you, then you ir- they irritate you even more. Because, you can butt heads a lot yeah. easier, I oh, think. Oh, man. You're, you're so lazy. You're kind of like me. Mm-hmm. I thought we raised you better than this. So we really want to learn how to not – kids can tell when you just tolerate them. They want to be celebrated. They want to know. And I think if you really did celebrate them and you were just – you were more than tolerant. You were just – you just love them and they're who they are. I think you have less guilt. If you know you're only tolerating and putting up with your kids, mm-hmm. that's got to affect you. I would think so. Like, why am I so shallow? Or why am I so – why is it so hard for me to just care for the child to just be who well, she it's, is? It's just like if you're just at a job because it's it's something I'm getting paid to do. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you just parenting your kids because, you know, you had them? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess you got yeah, you got to finish. When you're 18, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that sort of attitude is not going to get you far. No, it's not. And you know what? I think in the end you're going to pay because you're going to feel bad. Yeah. So this guilt might be telling you something, but it doesn't mean you just have to be a guilty parent. We don't need more guilty parents. We need more principles. We need more patience. We need more power with people. We need more love, less toleration. Boy, can you imagine what would happen to our children if we were raising them that way? My kids actually might be uh, a lot better than they are right now. Tell me about it. That's it, my friends. Coaching Corner. The corner's closed. When we come back, Sarah Gowans from thehappygal.com is going to be joining us. She's going to talk about mom as a friend or not. Is your job as a mother to be the friend of your daughters? Are you Are you supposed to go in there and, you know, be their friend? Or just are you there to buy clothes? What exactly is your role We'll talk about it with Sarah Gowans when we come back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. My baby's growing up. She thinks she's falling all in love and that 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Celebration of mother-daughter relationship. Martina McBride bringing it home. Teenage daughters, we decided who. I'm just going to listen to Martina for a minute. Who would be better to talk about teenage girls than Sarah Gowan? Except, except Sarah's husband, Joe, might be better now. Because he married into a family with three beautiful teenage daughters. Four. Four. Are you well, so- oh. three teenagers, four oh, yeah. girls. Oh, okay. Four? But yeah. Four and girls. you? He has five girls in his house. Oh, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <Yay. laughs> He's taking a nap right now. Yeah, so. Joe's sleeping it off. I'm teasing. He's actually working hard. He's going to get mad that I said that. Joe, but he, Joe's a great dad. And um, But Sarah Gowans is with us today. She uh, is a certified foot zoonologist. That I am. And I don't know if you've been listening to the show today. But we now have two foot, two car, two, uh, what do they call plantar fasciitis patients? Oh, no. Patients. Who else? My son here. My adopted son. <gasps> James. Me. Yeah. James. You having feet pain too? Yep. My left foot. Oh. It's been hurting a lot. And yours is both? He, or Matt, Mine's just one. My right foot. Um, James oh. has been kicking a lot of field goals lately. Oh, yeah. It's I really see. hard. I have to kick really hard to get those uh, 60 yarders to go in. So, you know. <laughs> 60 yarders. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's a minimum. He's talking about a video game he plays um, called <laughs> oh, Madden 2014. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. And, well, I was impressed for yeah. a minute there. I was but when going, he plays, wow. he always yeah. curls his foot and um, oh, it makes it terrible. It's all coming plantar. together. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you're here more than just a foot zoonologist, even though every time you come, <laughs> my foot tingles. Um, <laughs> You're from the Happy Gal blog, yeah. happygal.com, and we figured out last time that you and Jenny Layton are two distinct humans. It's true. You're not. We, we thought forever you were one human being. Yep. But you're not. You're two. We're like soul sisters. You are. We are. Really? Yes. I taught you a new phrase. Remember what it was? Sisters from another mister. Oh, yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah. I still <laughs> didn't even remember that. Um, but James and I are um, foot sisters, soul brothers. But soul, S-O-L-E. Uh-huh. Yeah. Soul brothers. Because the souls of our we got to get are... your guys' feet fixed. That's a, okay. that's a sad thing. True. I'm just going to state this. True dat. Yeah. Because I can't exercise. No, it hurts. I know. Yeah. I've, I've dealt with yeah. it myself. It hurts a lot. Yeah. So I'm kind of tired of not exercising. I guess I could go swim with one leg, and I did that, but I ended up swimming in circles. Well, you can swim without it. I've never, I don't go swimming. I was going to say, that shouldn't affect it, Matt. (laughs) I don't ever swim. There's something about Townsend's. We don't float. Oh. Well. We are not buoyant. Are you sure? No. Okay. Maybe too much hot air? I don't know. No, I would float then, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure you'd float. Yeah. Why don't you both just be quiet? (laughs) So, Sarah's here to talk about how, how moms... Beautiful gifts from heaven deal with kid, their daughters. So are you supposed to be a mom or a friend? I see you as a nice mom. You think so? Not a tyrant. I don't see you, you as ask a- You my teenagers, can I tell you a funny story? Yes. The other morning, a couple days ago, I woke up and um, got on the computer and I saw that my daughter had been looking at something. Yeah. Guess what, the, what she had researched? What? The strictest parents in the world. 
Wow. <laughs> I don't know why that That's... was there, and I haven't asked her about it yet, but I was going, why is that what she's looking at? Like, well, does can... she want to know if she has them? Yeah, but you know what, what, Sarah? That's not there's, – there's worse things she could be looking up. Well, that's true. I mean, like that's if you've got to t- if your kid's doing something stupid on the internet, that's a good one. <laughs> I just saw that that that's what she was looking at, and I uh-huh. thought, why is she looking at that? Does you know, she have think her that call I'm the me. strictest parent in the world, but you are. I probably I, she probably does think that, but you, I take pride in that. Yeah, you do. I can tell. Plus, you you don't. Yeah, I I would think that's cool. Yeah. Don't you think? Oh, I yeah, I love it. I think. Oh, great. She she knows that. But it's hard as a mom, isn't it? Because it seems sometimes like moms want to be their daughter's best friend. Yeah. And that needs that doesn't seem healthy. Yeah. So I actually I'm super excited to talk about this today because being a mom is my favorite thing in the world. Is it? I love it. And it and I love I didn't have I don't have sisters. I grew up with boys. So for me to have four daughters to be healthy. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I I just you know I'm one of those that will punch you instead of like I just yeah that's cool because then we know we know where we are. Yeah, punched. But legally, it's a problem. Having four daughters has actually I always tell people that. That helped me get in touch with my feminine side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, it was different for me, and so it's been such a huge learning experience, and I've, I've loved it. But it's also been very hard, and there's right. been moments that it's been really intense, and the emotions are flying. And I mean, it's so true what you were saying earlier that the mother daughter relationship, there's nothing like it. I oh, yeah. mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Either you're just and loving on yeah. each other, or you are fighting like cats and dogs. And it's and it and it almost doesn't end. There's always kind of an intensity. I even sat with my grandma and my aunts, and it just is. It's there. It's, yeah. There's something, and there's this hierarchy, and I don't know. It's hard. So it's interesting as a mom to try to figure out, okay, how do you find that balance? Because you do want to like be their friend and know what's going on yeah. and all of that. So how do you find the balance between that and being a mother? And so the first thing I thought of was, I guess you kind of have to define what's the difference between a mother and a friend. Like, yeah. what would the different roles be? So if I asked you, Matt, yeah, what? Um, if you, if I said, what would the role of a friend be? What would you say? A friend, you know, someone to hang out with on the weekend, someone that, um, could probably just have fun with you, but there's no, they're not there to lead you, parent you, you know? Yeah. So they're not there to say no. And I think if I had asked a girl that question, she would say also someone that you can like vent to and cry Uh, to and (laughs) But those things you said are great too. Yeah. <laughs> so really, yeah. So have fun. James cries with us, so we're friends, James. I just noticed that and you then, didn't put that in there as a friend. Yeah, but. no, I, I would not have my friend do that. <laughs> but as a girl, <laughs> yeah. that's totally what I look you to need as a friend. To vent to. Is someone like if I'm having issues with different, you know, maybe my kids or whatever's going on in my life, I am going to call my girlfriend and go out to lunch and we're going to talk, you know, and I'll cry and whatever. So that's kind of the purpose of a friend. Um, And like you said, so in a friend role, you're not going to go in and say, okay, you, okay, my friend was in um, school a couple of years ago and I didn't go to her and say, if you don't get your homework done, we're not going, you're grounded. Come on, Stacey, get your homework done. (laughs) You know what I mean? Don't make me ask again. So that's weird. Obviously that boundary doesn't come over into friend role. But so as a mother, your role is more of guidance, um, providing, you know, comfort for the family as far as cooking food and doing those types of things. And, um, 
anyway, and then the other thing is um, keeping them safe and then parenting them and teaching them. So it is tricky to kind of find the balance between the two because you don't want to be the type of mother who doesn't have any kind of relationship with your friends or your kids where they're going to come to you and say, I'm having these problems or you want them to cry on your shoulder and open up to you and you want to have fun with them and do those roles as a friend. Right. But then you also need to, you know, set boundaries and have a schedule and teach them. And well, it really is. I mean, developmentally, you need to model what they need to be and become. And friends don't have to model. Yeah. They just can be. Okay. And I have the greatest story about that. Okay, cool. So um, that's actually one of the things. Wow, that was a good segue. I'm telling you. Man, you I, are good. I'm in tune. <laughs> it's because my mother. Oh, I want to meet her someday. She's she sounds awesome. She is. I have a lot of admiration for a single mom because I did that for a while and it's not easy. No, you know. So um, anyway, so one of the things I was thinking about as a mother, one of our biggest roles is to be a teacher to our kids. And what better way to lead than by example? I mean, you can talk all day long, but they're yeah. going to watch what you do. And this was really came hit home to me one day when I was on a bike ride with um, one of my daughters and she was pedaling along behind me and we were going through town and there was a bunch of traffic. Yeah, and so just on a little bike ride through town, <laughs> like a little town. We have this tradition where we go. It is a smaller town. Because yeah, yeah. if you're like going through Manhattan, <laughs> you know, she's not quite die. that busy, but okay. there were cars on the road. And so I was concerned for her safety. Sure. And so I when I cycle because I cycle a lot, yeah. I go on the side of the road, uh-huh. not on the sidewalk, because that's just what you do. So I was riding on the side of the road and she was following me. And I wanted her to be over on the sidewalk where it was safer. Yeah. So I said to her, I called back and I said, next time we come up to the curb, I want you to go on the sidewalk. And she just kept pedaling behind me when the curb came because I was still going on the road. Passed by. And that happened for a couple of blocks. I'd say, go on the sidewalk. Next time you go on the sidewalk or next time we come up to it, go on the sidewalk. She wouldn't do it. Yeah. So finally... To use your words, I shut my cake hole. There you go. Good, good, and good. You're learning. <laughs> I did. And I just, I myself went over on the sidewalk. There you go. Guess what she did? She followed. She went right over on the sidewalk. I didn't say anything. Yeah. When I was saying it, she didn't do no, it. No. But when I did it, she followed Changed. right over. Yeah. See, it was such it. a huge lesson for me of the power yeah. of example. See, that's the key, isn't it? Because then... You lead, and that's really the mom role. Mm-hmm. And really, I guess ideally, that would be the role that we'd all play with each other. We'd yeah. be healthy. Yeah. But uh, we're going to come back and talk more about this. Sarah Gallons is going to continue the lesson on uh, parenting, and uh, we're going to go a little deeper and, 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 you know, learn. We're here to learn. Sarah Gallons, again, from the website, uh, thehappygal.com. She's the, the blog manager, she's a writer. And she's not Jenny Layton, the founder of it. She's just, you know, she's just the one that makes it all happen, (laughs) if you know what I'm saying. And the mother of four wonderful daughters. We are going to take a break. You're listening to Matt Townsend's show. We'll be right back right after this little break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, where you where you go, I will follow. Did you hear that? 
That's pretty awesome. That's really that's really that's awesome. Deep. That's a mother. Like you on your. I, this is the music you were listening to on your bikes. Yep, we had I a blast in. And you going pull in, K-Town. and your daughter pulls in. <laughs> through K Town. Yeah. Also known as Kaysville, Utah. We call it K Town. That's how you know you're from the hood. <laughs> K Town. Yeah. In the house, Sarah Gowans, certified foot zoonologist, uh, uh, to date um, has not cured anyone with plantar fasciitis but I'm in this studio. It. I am. I'm Are really you? researching it. If you would just tell me what to do, I will. I will follow you. Will you really? Because I have some research that I've come up with, but I don't know if you'll like it. I'm sure I won't. It's going to involve food, and I'm sure I... out your gut? Why is she talking about my gut, James? She does. I'm talking about my foot. She's bringing That's up my gut. That's why I said I don't know if you're going to like it. I've been doing some research. Matt, there's something we need to, to talk to you about. Is this an intervention? It is. How'd you guess? You guys... I wish you'd quit intervening. Your mom's in the other room. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hey, mom. Hey, um, I will follow. I've got to get rid of this. I, it's either that or last. Here's how come. I woke up this morning. I was gnawing on my foot. You were? Yeah. Well, as long as your wife's not gnawing on your foot. No, I, was, I wear a brace to bed on my foot. Yeah. And I had a dream that I was a bear caught in a trap gnawing my foot Did off. Did you really? Are you joking? Yeah, that's a joke. Oh, because I was going to say, if you, oh, don't get me started on dreams. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Dodge the bullet. Hey, here's the deal, though. You um, not only have four daughters that you're trying to be an influence to, you want to influence other girls not related to you. Yeah. Well, I think there's a ton of value in that. I do too. So, I mean, you've actually already influenced somebody we love dearly. I, yeah. Have you ever heard of Maddie Richard? I love Maddie. She's okay. She's so like she, another she used daughter. to be on the show until we had to let her go. Because <laughs> uh, no, she was so she, awesome. She got a better job. Um, <laughs> that's what she said. And um, but she she used to be on the show. Fantastic young lady. And you played a big part in her life. Well, I don't know about a big part. You but... played a part. It was. <laughs> but we're we're big. pretty good buds, Maddie and I. And I think. I actually um, talked to her this morning and got her permission to share this, so oh, it's okay that okay, we good. talk about her. <laughs> normally, just so you know, we don't normally ask her permission. Oh, for anything you just do like it. That. We just do it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So when Maddie was a teenager, um, I was actually an, an advisor over a youth group at church, and with, and she was one of my girls. And so um, it was kind of in in the time period when she was she was a teenager, yeah. so she's kind of battling. She was a rebelling. Bit, her mom. Was this, she was in a band. She was in a gang called the K Town <laughs> Killers. Ooh, K Town Five, <laughs> right? K Town Five. So she got on. She was on the edge, fighting with her mom a little bit. She was such a good kid, but she was totally just battling with her mom. And yeah. she, there were moments when she just had had it, you know, and so she would call me up and we would go on walks together and talk, yeah. you know, over it. And sometimes her parents would call me and say, will you come get Maddie and get her out of here? No, I'm yeah. teasing. Will you please get her out of jail? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it, we would go on tons of walks and we actually became great friends and we still are good yeah. friends through that experience of me just kind of mentoring Walking her through that. Her. And, and um and we would talk and I asked her this morning, you know, what what was that experience? How did that resonate with you or it, what did you learn or whatever? And she just said um she said it was really great to have somebody who wasn't my mom um that I could talk to because I was 
just battling everything she right. was telling me. And you were essentially saying the same things, but in a different way and also validating, you know, maybe your mom really, she said this, but maybe she meant this kind right. of a thing. And, and she just said it was, I feel now looking back, Maddie said it was, um, I can see that there was a lot of value in that because it gave her something to turn to, you yeah. know, other than yeah. for me, I would think otherwise someone might turn like to a boy or to drugs or to whatever, you know, right. to find that validation or whatever. And so I think it's really important as women that we not only um, influence our daughters, but my daughter's friends too, for another example, um, when they come over, I try to talk to them and joke around right. with them and build a relationship with them so that, first of all, I know what kind of kids they are. That's right. Now you, yeah, you have the background now. <laughs> yeah. And um, hopefully I can have an influence on them because my friends are also, or my daughter's friends are going to influence my daughters sure. as well. Well, and so, yeah, in the end, you make them better. It's only good for everybody. Yeah. Right. For sure. Daughters, everybody gets better. Yeah. That's cool. So that's really and cool. The, and the other thing I was going to say too that Maddie had said is she just said it's so nice to have someone um, that will listen to you, that won't judge you, that I knew cared about me and and my feelings, and um, you know that didn't know the kids that I was talking about because she was in high school at that time, yeah. and um, so she, maybe if she was having boy problems or whatever, sure. But she could confide and then know it wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah, <clears throat> and get some adult supervision. Did she say anything about us? She said, I miss so much the Matt Townsend show and I want to come back if they'll have me back. Did she, did she say that? No. She, I, she it didn't, didn't sound like her. <laughs> Usually it's something more, it's just more direct. She's kind of has some other things on her mind right okay, now. Okay. In fact, let's just bring that up. Um, <laughs> so she was waiting for a young man who was on an LDS mission to Japan. Yeah. She had dated in high school. Yep. And... He was supposed to be home Monday. Yesterday. Y- yeah, yeah, yesterday. He and he's going to come home yesterday. And he came home early. He did. Now, by the way, in, in, L- in exactly. But in LDS jargon, coming home early from your mission isn't always good. <laughs> so when you said that, he's like, oh, he came home early. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, he, he didn't got come in trouble. Home. He really didn't come he home did. early. He just he just came home a couple of days. Yeah, he just Maddie told her the wrong date. date. So he lied. Yes. Sure. <laughs> He lied Ooh. a little bit. No, that's fine. That's fine. A lot of guys lie to their girlfriends. No, but he came home and surprised her. He did. He How surprised cool. her. It was so cute. Yeah, so they, super cute. And are they in love? I mean, are they liking each other? Is it working? Totally. They're this is cool. they're they're already engaged. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was like, I'm going to get in so much. No, I know Maddie's so listening right now. She's is she? gonna yeah, she is. You think she you know she is? She told me she was gonna listen. I bet she's engaged. Sorry, Maddie. You're I you're I know you're not engaged. You can shoot me later. I bet she is. <laughs> Maddie, no, super. If you're it was a super cute story. That's neat. Yeah. Well, so. and, yeah, and you know, we've talked a lot about them on the show. Yeah, it'll be fun to. It'll be fun see to what go to their wedding. <laughs> hey, by the way, she's so. been. A, that's a great example of examples. Is Maddie talking about her wedding? Has has pushed James to talk about his wedding? Oh, and are you engaged? <clears throat> Not yet, no. Not yet. Oh, okay. We do have a fund, one eight five five chat byu If you would like to donate some money, <laughs> uh, don't donate it. Don't send it to one eight five five chat byu But we're trying to raise money, and up to 10% of the money we raise will go towards the James Birdsall and Monica Jagabay. 
wedding fund. We're already at ten dollars, so it's we're it's at ten dollars. Right? Yeah, I can match that. Perfect. Okay, let's All do right. that. Done. Deal. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah. So, that's getting that's back good. on topic a little okay, bit. Okay, let's, let's get back to that. <laughs> I just was going to say, um, if you are interested in influencing other girls besides your own daughters. There's diff- I found some different avenues that are thought of some different places cool. that you can do that. So if you're in a church, um, you, there's always youth yeah. groups and different things like that. You can mentor, you know, like a, a girls group at church or whatever. Um, that's a great way. And then there's like big sisters, yeah. um, big brothers, big sisters. You can do that. And that is a powerful way to just influence somebody who might not have a mother figure or someone who's emotionally there for them. Right. Well, and, um, and, and, you you, and they need that. that I I needed more male models around me to know mm-hmm. you know what's normal, what's healthy. Yeah. So that could be huge. Yeah. And then um, if you just do a Google search, there'll be a whole bunch pull up. There was one I found today called Pearls for Teen Girls that looked really oh really awesome that That's you cool. just can volunteer and you know speak or whatever help out these teen girls. So tons yeah. of resources if you if well, you do want to do that. Sports. Hmm. I mean, I there's a ton of that going on. Yeah, Sheesh. that's true. Yeah. So you could coach coaches, a team. Coaches have a ton yeah. of influence. Drama. You could be a drama teacher and like do a community play. I just went to a community play and there it's all run by this one lady that's just totally motivated. That had dozens, probably hundreds of girls on the uh, in the in the choir and in, I mean it's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Choirs, I mean that's you know. Man. Tons of ways to I'm influence. S- I'm sitting there thinking that Maybe it's we just need to make sure that this is for moms and women. Yeah. And because I'm thinking, hey, some guys will be like, hey, well, I mean, James is like, well, I got to get married, so he could go try to influence girls. Get to work on that, James. No, he's got one. Yeah, (laughs) Malayla. Have you met Malayla? Um, I saw her. Oh, that's right. You saw her her. at one of your events. I saw her. She's great. She's real. She is real. <laughs> and that's, what, that's what's weird. We were all like, no, she's like real. She's That doesn't surprise me. Look at this stunning oh, man. He's, uh, he's rock solid, no I, doubt. That doesn't surprise me Well, you know, we all. raised him. You did? Oh, yeah. Way to go, James. Yeah, you made it him. through. I know, right? But <laughs> that's then, pretty incredible. I mean, he's told us he had girlfriends for years. And we, you know, we never believed it. And all of a sudden he brings Monica up. I always believed you, James. Thank you. I appreciate that. Are you going to stick with us through the next I hope so. Yes, I would love it. Uh, We're going to talk about actual mom and daughter experience. Our very own Alyssa is going to be calling her mom, getting her mom on the phone, and we're going to get all the dirt. Wow. That's pretty cool. She's got a great mom. You you know what? This is the perfect show. Great mom day. Great mom day. Hmm. Well done. Well done, Sarah Gowans. Everybody go check out the blog, uh, The Happy Gal. And look for the blog manager when you get there. She's fantastic. And she's a foot zoonologist. She's days away from saving James and I from gnawing our right foot and left foot off. We'll take a break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping it up, putting a nice bow on it, and sticking it under the tree. 
Yeah. That's my fourth accent today. And I don't even know what accent that was. That was Nebraska. A Nebraska accent. Uh, today we're talking about moms and the important role. Roles that our mothers play in our lives to keep us healthy, happy. We've also talked about the mother-daughter role, which is highly complex. In the house, Sarah Gowans is here. She is our on-staff certified foot zoonologist. Uh, we did decide that uh, James uh, has pain on the left side, which means he's having fear about uh, moving forward with the ladies. And my foot's on the right side, which means I have fear about moving forward with the men. That's how it goes. Male-female relationships. <sighs> oh, and my flora in my gut. In your gut. Which, again, everything can't be because of my gut. Yeah, it can. <laughs> and she looks at my gut when she says it. She says, yeah, it can. Little, You're always talking about your six-pack. With a gut like that? How could it not? <sighs> anyway. We're going to move on. I'll fix my foot later. In the house, Alyssa is here. Alyssa Banks, the myth, the legend. She's talking about her mommy. Yes. And mommy Luann is on the phone, I assume. She is. Are you there, Mom? Hi, Matt. Hi, Alyssa. Luann, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for sending your daughter to work with us. <laughs> so happy she could do that. You know, we've I've got a lot of stuff we need to talk about as soon as we can get an appointment. <laughs> Great. It's just yeah. some stuff that I think every parent ought to know about their college student. This is good. A personal counselor. I like uh-huh. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Alyssa, what are you going to talk about? What's your mom going to diss on? What's she going to say? What's this about? <laughs> she's not going to diss. I think At least she I is. hope she's not going to. We're talking <laughs> about kind of the development of our relationship oh, cool. um, from when I was young till now. Cool. Yeah. Lead. Go. This is cool. Yeah. So when I was younger, my mom and I were talking about this and we realized she was um, she would tell me kind of what I needed to do. She would um, be my steward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're a great supervisor. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I talked to her and I said, you know, you really gave me confidence and you were encouraging. And so from a young age, I felt like I had the confidence I needed just because she always told me, you know, you can do anything that you want to kind yeah, of thing. That's cool. You needed the guide. Right, right. And what do you think about that, Mom? <laughs> I agree. You know, she's been so fun to raise. The way I would describe Alyssa and this showed up even when she was a little girl. She's always been an equal access girly girl and competitive. She's a girly athlete. girl. <laughs> yeah, she kind of has both things, and that still describes her now. So, yeah, we were real, like, I think my role when she was younger is to supervise her and to entertain her and to really kind of closely guide her. Do, do you have an example? We, we like to get very specific when we're talking about <laughs> Alyssa. Okay. Do you well, have, an, like, an embarrassing example where she needed serious supervision? <laughs> Okay, this is just a funny picture I have in my in my head of her. She was only three years old when she learned to ride a two-wheel bike. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But we were in our backyard, and her dad was actually kind of pushing her along. But she's wearing a swimming suit, <laughs> and she's wearing leggings yeah. and no shoes, but she had a helmet on. <laughs> and she's oh, riding on the wow. grass so that when she, you know, when she did fall, yeah. it would kind of cushion, not sure. be concrete. Oh, sure. So, yeah, kind of guidance and supervision there and then letting her take off. You know what is the weirdest thing, Luann, is the first time I met her, she was wearing basically the same thing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it was so weird. And she's wearing it today, too. And she's wearing it today. I'm like, what's with the helmet? To it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Big, big kind of bubbly helmet. Yeah, floral. that's exactly. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and then the yeah. leggings and the bathing suit. Yeah, and no shoes. 
But today she has a boa on. She just is sporting a boa. I've gotten so, older. So the first role you took on as mommy um, was steward, kind of just just being there, shepherding a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. what, Alyssa? Um, and then when I was a teenager, it was more like we had gained trust. And uh, she. an example of this is she would never set a specific curfew for me. She would just kind of say, well, how long do you think? Um, usually midnight. But if you think you need to go later, just let me know. Just kind of communicate wow. with me back and forth. So she trusted you. Right. Well, and I, you know, we started – I. I just trusted her from the beginning and told her that. And I said, I'll treat you with trust until you break that. But the other thing, so she communicated. We knew who she was going to be with and we knew where she was going and kind of together thought, well, it should be over at this time, you know, planned to be home at this time. But if she if she called and wanted to stay longer because of a certain reason, we'd be okay with that too. That's cool. Flexible. So, yeah. But like kind of, you know, prove it. You could lose it, but right. be honest long, with me. Right, Exactly. That's great. That's a great. We need Sean. Remember that with Alyssa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gosh, because that's huge. And I actually have a story um, based on our relationship when I was a teenager. When I had my first kiss, I came home beaming, and my mom said, "What happened?" And she already knew that she I had knew. my first kiss. And she said, "Okay, I'm getting out the camera," and she takes a picture of me, and then we just sit there laughing at this picture of me after I had my first kiss. So that kind of like glowing. Oh, is she glowing? <laughs> totally did, glowing. Was it a close up? Like, did you get a picture of? Her lips, or <laughs> was she just looking at you the glowing? Okay, that's the cute. Whole glowing face. Do you know? Could you send us that picture? Oh yeah, actually, yeah, I could. We'd like to post I that. I love it that you captured that moment. Isn't that a great photo? Moment? That is so. This is great. what mom looks like oh, after her I first kiss. I am totally kiss. doing that with the rest of my kids. That's a great <laughs> that's idea. Well, see, we, we I had to have to, trust. Yeah, we tried to also just let her know that. We want to hear from her. We want to help her figure things out. Talk to us. You don't have to figure it out on your own or hide it or try to figure it out with your friends. But That's cool. You know, you can use, let your dad and I be your coaches, and we'll help you figure this out together. Yeah. So, Well, what might be fun is to take a picture of her after every kiss <laughs> and then like see I, I an evolution of her glow. Her <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. cool. What else? What else did you learn from Yeah, Mama? well, the last stage so far is me in college, and my parents just kind of, they've given me the reins of my life, and they they will support me, and they'll give me advice, but they'll say, you know, we want you to make your decision, but we support you. That's cool. So, And they paid some of the bills. Right. They definitely <laughs> support me. <laughs> they support you in more ways than one. Right. Luann, was that, wasn't that a big moment when she went away? It really was. It was it was hard. Yeah. It's hard to let her totally go, but the payoff is just seeing how happy she is and seeing what she does. And now it's actually been a big adjustment, bigger than some of the others, to have, I think of her as a transitioning adult. Yeah. Because even though great, she's, yeah. she's 20, she's just not there yet. She still depends on us. But at the same time, she needs to make her own decisions. So now I feel like my role is more... Always to love her, always to be your mom, but we're friends too. And yeah. my role is more like a coach. So I'm just coaching her and letting her make her own decisions. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, what's, what's important to her is important to me, and I want to hear about it, but it's really her life. That's cool. So, and launching her. Yeah. you got to get a good launch. Well, yeah. Luann, we appreciate you uh, lending her to us for a little bit. Oh, she's loved it. She's incredible, and we love her here. And, again, you've done a great job. Mm, thank you. Uh, one more favor. What's that? 
seriously, she needs more clothes than a swimsuit and some leggings. <laughs> uh, BYU has a standard, Pronto. and Could sometimes we, she's pushing it. Could we add some high heels to that? Would that be okay? Uh, high heels and a boa, yeah. <laughs> but she does need a new helmet because uh, this one seems broken. Uh, we appreciate you, Luann, and thank you, Alyssa. Well done. Uh, really, I think that's the sign right there. That's the healthy relationship. Sarah Gowans, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Keep getting ideas about how I can get rid of my gut flora. We're going to get it fixed. I thought we were going to work on my foot. Now we're working on my gut. at McDonald's. I know. Then I'd starve. <laughs> uh, here's a great quote as we wrap up. When your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice? Just know it's a mere formality. It doesn't matter if you answer yes or no. You're going to get it anyway, according to Irma Bombeck. Tomorrow, IT is ho- uh, it, oh, it's holiday time. And we're going to help you through... Uh, you know, with some expert advice. How to get through the holidays. Bunch of different shows coming up over the next few days about managing your holidays, scheduling, budgeting through the holidays, and a little IT while we're at it. That's it, my friends. We're out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow. More fun, more ideas right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.